Welcome to our Friday Five Live podcast hosted by Meg Foster. Meg has spent 20 years in higher education focused on student success initiatives and working in areas such as orientation, faculty development, online learning, student leadership, and first-year initiatives. Um, Welcome, everybody. Happy Friday. Happy it's still summer, as Jessica is reminding us. It's not quite yet um, um, the end of summer, though. I know a lot of us are seeing students move on to campus and um, classes are beginning. I, I start teaching on Monday, so I know there's that feeling that Summer is wrapping up and we're, we're, we're transitioning right into the fall semester. Um, just a couple of housekeeping reminders. We love hearing from our audience, so feel free to chat in. Um, let us know where you're listening from. Um, and I do have questions, of course, as always, prepared for Jessica, but we love hearing from you as well. So if you have any questions or if things spark um, thoughts or comments, please do put those in our chat. Um, just make sure you select the everyone from the dropdown so we can um, all uh, read those. And we're really, really, really fortunate. I'm, I've been so excited all summer waiting for this conversation, Jessica, to get to talk with Jessica Gifford today. Um, Jessica has spent um, her career really focused around um, health, well-being, counseling initiatives, and has worked um, both at um, Hampshire College and as well as at Amherst, um, working in counseling centers, wellness centers. Um, so has a lot of expertise in the world of higher education um, and is now kind of shifted um, her efforts um, to be able to impact more institutions, I think um, I can say that, um, around these ideas of how are we um, addressing student mental health and well-being on campus, how are we creating connections and community, um, and has really done, I think, a lot of important um, writing and research um, in this area, and has just really practical ideas about what we can do um, to to really um, help our students, um, help our faculty and staff. You know, I've had so many conversations, I feel like this summer about, um, are we we out of the pandemic yet, right? Um, Are we done with this? And so I'm eager to hear from you because I feel like we're still in another year of transition. And and I think that's hard for people. I think we want to, we want to be done. I mean, I've had so many conversations, you know, neighbors, other parents of high school students. They're like, can we, are we just done now? Can we just no more transition? I'm just done. Um, but I feel like we're still in that space um, and probably will be for, for a while. So Jessica, thank you so much for spending some time on a summer Friday with us. We're just delighted to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. So thanks for having me and thanks for the introduction. Well, and we've got um, in our presentation, which we'll make sure everybody has, um, Jessica, I linked out to all the resource that you had shared with us. So um, those are there um, as well. And uh, I know we'll be um, referring those to, to, to those today. So, you know, to kind of kick us off, I just mentioned we're entering this new school year such a concern around student mental health. I mean, I think it's definitely been in the forefront um, of our minds now, um, importantly and appropriately so um, for several years, but I think there's a continued, um, you know, light shown on on this topic. I'd love to hear kind of you talking about your work around this concept of connection um, and, and why it's so important. Um, and we'll and, and then once we kind of talk through that, I, I want to peel back some um, strategies that you've shared as well. 
Absolutely. So yes, um, I think mental health was a huge concern before the pandemic. And of course, um, rates have just been increasing. And so, uh, so, so yes, <laughs> we really need to have strategies to, to, to address it and not just on an individual level, but on a, a kind of a larger student body level. So I, um, I started out my social work career doing clinical counseling work and had some very intense jobs uh, working with adolescents. My last one was at an inpatient psychiatric hospital. And I basically uh, burnt out after about five years and then was really fortunate to get a job um, at Hampshire College as um, the director of wellness. So I really started shifting from um, support to thinking more preventatively and also thinking about like, what are some large scale strategies to improve mental health and well being? So I, I really uh, delved into positive psychology research and um, something that came up over and over again in that is that positive relationships are the the top predictor of happiness so having having close relationships um social support embedded in your life more important than anything else in terms of happiness and life satisfaction and well-being so that's kind of like where i started thinking about it as a um kind of preventative mental health strategy and then i i um got a job working at Amherst College on a suicide prevention grant and was delving into suicide prevention research. And again, social connectedness came up as the number one um, protective factor for suicide risk. And so having positive relationships helps to um, protect against depression and suicide. So I, I really started seeing connection as this kind of... Um, inflection point that if we're able to move the needle on that, then it would have a, an impact on, on anxiety, on depression, um, suicide, uh, things like retention and uh, engagement. So, so that's when I really started to sort of double down on, on how do we help students build connection. Um, and at the same time, we were seeing really high rates of loneliness. So uh, the American College Health Association, National College Health Assessment, that, that um, data is available publicly. You can kind of look at the um, aggregate data from all of the schools that, that use that survey. And there are really high rates of loneliness. And then on our campus, they were even higher. Um, so I, uh, I organized a bunch of focus groups to really delve into why are students feeling disconnected? What's working to help build connection? What's, what's not working just to get a deeper understanding. And then from um, some of the themes that really helped to inform me developing the project connect program, which is um, it's a program where trained peer facilitators lead small groups of around six students through uh, a curriculum that really just helps them get to know each other and develop friendships and have more meaningful interactions. So that, that was kind of my trajectory of just seeing connection as, as really important both to 
to happiness and positive mental health and also really important in terms of preventing more negative mental health outcomes. And, and I know I've seen, you know, lots of articles um, around peeling back the why behind the loneliness, but I'd be curious sort of what do you see as being the big things that are creating these, this, really pervasive, I guess, I I think that's an okay word to use, sense of loneliness. Yeah, so definitely pervasive. I think right now the National College Health Assessment data, um, they're using the UCLA loneliness scale to assess loneliness. And about 55% of students are, um, like they say it's positive for loneliness, but basically meeting the criteria for loneliness at the time of taking the survey. So, so essentially over half of the student body is feeling lonely at any given time. And even pre-pandemic, it was not much lower than that. So definitely pervasive and, and not just for college students, but I think throughout our culture, but particularly for yeah, um, Gen Gen Z and millennials. Um, so the why is, you know, I don't think there's like one single answer. I think it's 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 complex, and there's a lot of factors that contribute. Definitely, technology has an impact that that more of our interactions have moved online. Um, or, you know, through, through text, through social media. And so those tend to be much quicker, more superficial interactions and don't give us the same mental health benefits of having like longer, deeper um, face-to-face interactions. So, so technology is definitely a piece of the puzzle. Um, I think also uh, something I've been thinking about recently is a much bigger picture looking at the human history of connection and and realizing that up until very recently, people lived in small communities, tribes, where they essentially were interacting with the same one or 200 people their entire lives. And really connection was built in, you know, they, they, they sort of like knew people from childhood through adulthood. And so it's really only within the last couple hundred years that we've even had to develop this skill of like, how do we meet people and how do we make friends? And so that's like very, um, a very new skill in the history of human evolution and people aren't really being taught how to do that. And so it's something we're, we're figuring out as the landscape is, is changing a lot. So more people are living alone as opposed to in larger, you know, um, families and multi-generational households. Um, People are moving around geographically a lot more. So they're not necessarily in the same communities that they grew up in. Um, The the whole technology piece, now the pandemic piece. So yeah, there's, there's a lot, but I think, um, you know, I think there's still this idea of uh, you put people together and then connections just going to happen naturally. And, and that's not necessarily happening for a lot of people. And so I think providing some, some structures, some like, you know, teaching some skills, providing some structures that facilitate that happening is really important. 
And, and it is interesting to think about, I was a history major, so I love that you brought in this historical context. And um, I read a book recently about this concept of living, I think it's titled Tribe. Um, that's a pretty mm. interesting look at how the the influence of of these small communities, right, where we're, we're yes. very connected to one another. Um, and I'm, I'm struck about this concept of having to kind of teach these skills, right, that we aren't necessarily intuitively um, aware of how to make connections. And, and I think we often probably wrongly assume um, being from, uh, I mean, I'm a Gen Xer, right? So a different generation removed from my kids to this point that, oh, well, you know, when you go to college, like, it's just like instant friends, right? You all live, can, right. you're a residential student, you live closely together. You know what? I mean, I think we always had this kind of joke. Oh, just, you know, add a keg and boom, like it's a group of friends, right? Um, <laughs> add a and, keg and some other things could happen too. <laughs> right, 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 right. I'm not, but, but, yeah. but it was, there was these opportunities connect that don't happen in our regular, once you leave that kind of residential bubble, right? The yeah, live in an apartment. You're isolated, and then how do you find people? And so, um, that is it's such a good point that we kind of have to coach people a little bit. And there's no shame in that. I mean, I right, right. Yeah, and I think colleges and and other other institutions too have just had this idea. Oh, you you bring people together. Like we're we're gathering this great um, bunch of people, and we're putting them together. So of course connections going to happen. And, and for some people it does, you know, proximity definitely matters, but when you think about it, a lot of the experiences on campus, um, like a, a classroom or dining hall or, or a, a big event where you're listening to a speaker or something like that, you're bringing lots of people together, but those people aren't necessarily interacting with each other. They're not getting to know each other. And so I think in some ways that can actually um, be harder if you're feeling lonely. You know, if you're surrounded by people and feeling lonely, it's, it's a little bit harder because there's more of an expectation of, um, of connection. And I, I, there's also still this messaging of, college is supposed to be the best four years of your life, um, which we know has nothing to do with the quality of your classes and how amazing your professors are. It's about like making your best friends forever and, and having fun. Right. And so I think there's this ideal that puts some pressure on students that they're supposed to be having this amazing experience. And then when they aren't, they feel like, oh, you know, is there something wrong with me? Am I the only one? It kind of looks like everybody else is, is connecting. And so it can actually um, create a little bit more shame or just like uh, negative self-comparison. Yeah. And Jenny's brought up a really good point. She read my mind. You know, I work at a computer institution. And so Jenny's, you know, made the comment that students, many students are living at home. Um, they can't afford residence halls or dining halls, right? Um, which makes it even harder to connect. And, and as I have shared with a few parents, you don't drop your student off at our campus. There is no place for them to live there, right? So, um, and if you're, um, I, I remember one of um our early textbooks that I used in my first year experience class talked about the PCP connection, parking lot 
class parking lot that students would just go from one <laughs> to the other. And then that was it. And so there wasn't that space because you went, yeah. you sat in class, you learned, you got up, you went to your car and you left. So, um, so that's a beautiful, I think, transition into this idea of, you know, you've talked about um, peer educators, but um, sort of these strategies that you've come up with to really help students make connections, be they at, you know, for your traditional residential kind of institutions or um, at institutions where they're commuting. And... Yeah, I think, I think uh, for people particularly who aren't naturally extroverted, having, having a structure that helps to facilitate that is, is really important. So it's not just like, go forth, mingle, you know, like find, find your people, um, you know, for, for people who might feel socially anxious or awkward or, or introverted, that's really hard and uncomfortable to do. And I think that um, the pandemic has only increased social anxiety. And so, so having, having structures uh, that, that students can opt into, you know, programs like Project Connect, and also finding ways to like build in little connection points into into the classroom or into student organizations or res life so that it sort of becomes a little bit more part of the student experience. Are there things that you suggest, and, and this kind of is that next question, um, you know, do faculty and staff need special training to facilitate connections? I'm thinking, you know, what are uh, a lot of what I teach in my first year experience class is not rock, and I tell them it's not rocket science. Like the research I've done shows me that students who make connections are more likely to stay enrolled and be successful. Yes. Um, and so I just need them to make one connection on campus yeah. in their first semester. And it can be to anybody, faculty, staff, student, um, you know, the financial aid director, it doesn't matter to me who it is. Um, and but to be able to identify kind of their connection point. But are there some activities, anything that you would say, oh, you know, here's a here's a way to kind of begin to peel that back in your classes a little bit. Yeah. So, so I definitely don't think people need to have special training. I really, I really feel like all of us can help build connection and the more people who do the better. Um, I do think that the more we kind of work on our own connection skills and social intelligence skills, the better we're going to be at, at passing that on and facilitating connection building between other people. Um, but some examples of activities could just be as simple as a question prompt, you know, so having your first five minutes of your, your class or your meeting be um, responding to a question prompt in small groups or a, or a check-in. Um, so I, I uh, supervised a group of student staff that were Project Connect facilitators, and we had a weekly meeting to kind of talk about how things were going and, you know, give them kind of share out responsibilities. But we started with a check-in, and it was just a couple minutes for people to share what was going on in their lives. And I, I think it really helped um, 
the students get to know each other and get closer to each other. It helped me get to know them more and get to know what was going on in their lives. And students actually like looked forward to it. Like I, some, some students commented, I, you know, I was looking forward to this all week. I'm like, you were looking forward to this two minute check-in. And so even just small things like that and providing a little bit of structure. So it's not just like share anything you want. Cause then uh, some people will be like, I don't know what, what's appropriate or not appropriate or what to talk about, or I'm, I could talk for 10 minutes. Um, so I like to do a, a prompt that has like a positive and a negative, like, you know, like share something that is bringing you joy right now and something that is stressing you out right now. And joy doesn't have to be capital J joy. It can be like, I really enjoyed my cup of coffee joy Um, or, you know, happies and crappies is like a fun one that just kind of is like, you know, what are you feeling happy about? What are you feeling crappy about? What are you looking forward to? What are you not looking forward to? So, so just little things like that, a check-in or, you know, a quirky icebreaker um, uh, question prompt that, that just gets people, um, talking a little bit about themselves. So really you're wanting to have people interact as human beings. So not like in the transactional way of, you know, you're a student and this is the paper you need to write or you're, or you're, you know, um, working for me and this is the job you need to do, but just getting, getting to know each other as people. I had, I work with, um, Amherst, uh, UMass, uh, the University of Massachusetts Amherst um, is using Project Connect. And one of the faculty who is using it, she oversees a student organization. And so she had the um, student leaders start each meeting with a question prompt, just, you know, but, you know, just one of the, one of the getting to know you questions. And she said that usually, um, you know, in September, they start out with like 150 students and lots of enthusiasm. And then by December, they're down to like 20 students. And so she said, just doing that one thing, they had almost no attrition the entire semester that that people showed up. They started coming on time because that was like the best part of the meeting. They just wanted an opportunity and and they were just doing it in pairs. So they would show up um, and kind of pair off. And so, so just really simple things like that, where you're building in these um, connection points, I think can make a really big difference. Mm -hmm. Tell us about um, your project connect kind of what's the um, structure to it and Sure. So it, um, so it's six sessions It actually initially started as four sessions because of like, there's no way that students are going to sign up for a multi-session thing. It's really hard to, <laughs> to do that. Everybody's really busy. Um, and then the feedback the first time was like, we, we want more. So it's, it's, it's gone from four sessions to five sessions and now six sessions. And so the first three sessions are mostly very conversational based. So there's a series of um, question prompts that they go through for the first three sessions. And it gradually, 
they they start kind of fun and light like um like if you had to perform in a talent show what would you do um you know things like that and then they they get progressively deeper so instead of providing some scaffolding for students to um, share a little bit more be a little bit more vulnerable and there's lots of there's like a a, a pretty significant body of research that shows that that really helps um, facilitate closeness and really accelerate people um, getting close to each other. So, so that's the first three sessions along with some like, you know, introductions and icebreaker activities and stuff like that, but it's primarily conversation. And then the fourth session is um, a mini connection building activity where they, they, they get this uh, stationary. It's a set of appreciation stationary. So it has these messages like what I appreciate about you is, or you're a rock star because, or that, that kind of thing. So it's just them, you know, they share some songs and they're writing uh, these cards to other people, ideally other people on campus, but if they've just arrived to campus and don't know people, then they can write you know, write cards to, to people at home. Mm-hmm. Um, then the fifth session is kind of a wrapping up session. There's some, some like closing reflection exercises and a chance for people to get positive feedback uh, from each other. And the sixth session is very flexible reunion. So it's something that they plan. Um, so, you know, if campuses have a budget, they could go out to breakfast or lunch or coffee together they could go to a campus event um, together or, you know, play a game together, something that doesn't uh, cost money. So it's really up to them to, to plan what they would like to do together. So that's, that's what it looks like. And the feedback has been, um, I mean, re- really, I, I did this for two years at Amherst College and you know, I've been in, I was in higher ed for 15 years and did lots of programs and some were successful and some were like, people said they wanted this. And I put so much work in and then like five people showed up what's happening. (laughs) So this really had a, um, a really strong positive response that I felt like, wow, this is, you know, I'm kind of onto something and there's a really high need for it. And so, um, that's why it's like, okay, I'm leaving my secure job and <laughs> going to work on this full time. So it's been, it's been really exciting to see it grow. There's, uh, just, there's over 50 campuses now that are, that are using the program. So. And are they using it? Um, tell me like, I mean, I kind of naturally think of like residence halls as being a space, but where are kind of some other places that folks are? Yeah, so it's really, uh, it really varies. Like some campuses have their counseling center or their health education wellness departments who are um, running the program and they're, uh, they're, they're just kind of offering it campus wide to any students who want to opt in. Um, Other campuses are embedding it in their orientation programs. Um, Some some colleges, particularly like community colleges that have more challenge with students staying afterwards or opting into voluntary programs have have like built it into a class, a a psychology class or a first year experience class. Res life is another area. So, so yeah, there's different, 
kind of depending on, on um, where the needs are and the, the student body it can really be tailored to um, kind of plug in in different areas. That's awesome. Um, as I'm, I'm taking notes, I'm thinking about, oh, how can I, you know, incorporate this more intentionally, right? Yeah. My own class and making sure, because um, that's certainly one of the things that that I've seen be very different having, you know, worked in small residence, uh, residential colleges and working in large commuter institutions that um, you know, I've, I, I miss the days where I could like walk on the soccer field and find my student who we had identified, we were concerned about it, you know, not grab them, but shepherd them into, right. you know, whatever um, program we, we needed to connect them with versus now we're having to be a little bit um, uh, more in, intentional in some different ways um, with regarding making those connections and, and getting students plugged in. And, um, and and we've talked a lot at our institution about um, those intentional connection points happening more than just, you know, in that first couple of weeks of school that, mm-hmm. you know, they need those continuing kind of opportunities to connect. So I love the concept of a reunion, right? Because yes. it, it, yes. it gives you yet another touch point. To... Yeah. And finding ways, I, I mean, I, I think it's great, it, you know, when you're offering um, kind of opt-in opportunities, but definitely in my experience on campus, there were so many, there were so many things going on, so many things for students to sign up for, and it can be overwhelming. And so a lot of times um, programs wouldn't always be meeting the people who need them the most. And so I really like when campuses are able to build, you know, to build it in, like to build it in as part of orientation, build it and make it a universal experience, um, build it into classrooms and so on. So that, you know, so that it normalizes it. Everybody, everybody is um, receiving it. And it kind of signifies that the college really values Uh connection. So even if you're, again, even if you're just building in like a short question prompt five minutes at the beginning of a of a class or of a team meeting or group um business meeting I, I you know I think employees also are struggling with a lot of the same things and we focus a lot on on student mental health and well-being but I think there's ways that we could be kind of building this in for for employees also well and that's a nice transition to that last question um you know, we've, we've experienced staff and faculty burnout. I, I mean, it is the chronicle of higher education is disgusted. Um, extensively. Yes. <laughs> um, there um, are some, um, you know, Facebook groups, um, expats of student affairs, yes. sometimes yeah. as a people one to read. Um, so we, we've, and I've personally experienced wonderful folks who are leaving our profession. And so I feel like your, your concept of connection really resonates with this, the faculty and staff um, experience too. And um, it, I know you'd shared um, the happies and crappies and, and I've got to share, if you've not signed up for Jessica's newsletter, please do so. It is amazing. And every week it shows up and I learn something new and 
um, something I can apply with my students who I teach and the students at my dining room table. So um, we we think happies and crappies is hilarious at our house. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's just it's just enough humor that it, it gets us going. Right. Yes. It makes it light. And it's sort yes. of like, yeah, you know, rather than asking, so how was your day? Right. You know, it's like, oh, how was my day? Um, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. And when you're 13 years old and your mom says crappy, I mean, it's kind of funny, right? <laughs> like, you know, so, um, yeah. yeah so, so I was also doing a training with, um, with high school and middle school teachers. So they were sort of saying the same thing, like, oh, the teacher just said crappy. <laughs> Right. And it it unleashes that they can then talk, Um, you know, so and um, we've had a question about how we can sign up um, for the newsletter. So I know. Yeah. So thank you for the for the newsletter plug. Um, There's actually like the link to download the the, for people who want to download the six essential strategies for creating connection that will kind of give you a PDF download and it will actually automatically sign you up for my newsletter as well. So um, I don't, where's that on the, where's that, where are people able to sign up for that? I know you had put it, I think on the registration site. Yeah. And I think these are, um, these all hyperlink and are. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. So, yeah. And actually, if you just go to the project connect website, like in the footer, there's a, like a, a button to sign up for, for the newsletter. If you scroll all the way, all the way down the page, there should be a, a button, um, to, to sign up like all the way down all the way here there we go. you go get our newsletter there it is so the newsletter um essentially is every tuesday morning i send it out and it's just one a little strategy for building connections so i'm working on 101 um 101 strategies for for creating connection and community and I think I'm on 52 right now so there's you could go to the blog and see the existing 52 but you can get one per week and it's just like a little um, data point a little statistic and a little like action step that people can can take so you know if you're like looking for for ideas for building connection in your life with your family with your friends in your classroom um, and so on. That's, uh, that's one, but yeah, you had asked about burnout, (laughs) which is that, yeah, it's very real. And so I think it's really, really important for, for campuses and really for all places, all, all workplaces to be investing in, um, employee mental health and well-being. So there's a, a statistic that, Replace, the cost of replacing a professional employee is from half to two times their annual salary. You know, when you take into account like the advertising and recruiting, interviewing, um, training and all of that. And so it really makes both financial sense and also just in terms of like ethically and um, to have an engaged workforce, it really makes sense to to invest in employee well-being. Um, and I think connection, very, very important in that. Um, liking, liking your coworkers, liking and feeling connected to your coworkers is the top predictor of job satisfaction. So when you, you know, when you think back over your own work history, 
the the jobs that you felt like you belonged or you felt close with your coworkers probably had a really different feeling than than jobs where you felt disconnected from um, your coworkers. So that's really important. Um, Gallup, uh, Gallup, they have a they have some of the things that contribute to to engagement and preventing burnout. And one of them is just feeling um, feeling recognized within the last seven days. So building connection by just sharing like recognition, noticing, especially if you're in a supervisor or manager position on a frequent basis, like um, noticing people's contributions, valuing people's contributions. And also one of the other things on that, um, list is, is feeling like somebody at work cares about you as a person, you know, sort of outside of your, your, your job and what you're, what you're doing. And so building connection, I think is a really important strategy. Um, and I'm really excited. I've been doing project connect with, uh, employees. So Bowdoin, Bowdoin launched an initiative with their student affairs staff, and now they've expanded it to the whole, um, college and that's been going really well. And a couple of other colleges have also done programs with employees. So that that's that's really exciting to me. And I think um, participants really like the opportunity to meet people across departments and to again like get to know each other as as people. Um, obviously, connection is not going to solve burnout in and of itself. I think it is a really important strategy. And at the same time, you know, campuses have to address what is contributing. Like uh, for many people that might be unmanageable workload, you know, that can be a really complex issue to address, but thinking about how do we make the work more sustainable, um, uh, giving people some agency around how they do their their jobs. So you know, even when they have stressful jobs, the more people have a sense of control over how they complete those responsibilities is gonna is gonna go a long way. So if people are feeling micromanaged or really kind of trapped in in um, some like rigid um, ways of doing things, then that can, that can contribute to burnout. And also equity issues are, are huge in terms of burnout, like people feeling like their workplace is, is safe, kind of bottom line, like everybody needs to feel that their workplace is safe, but also that they're um, being valued, that they have access to, to resources, and that there's some equity and, and fairness and how that's happening. So, so those are some of the things. So I think it's really important both to um, address the contributing factors, which can be kind of a long-term thing and requires administrative uh, support. And then there's the, you know, at the same time, we can build employee connection, work on stress reduction and resiliency skills to kind of help manage that and make it a, um, a better place to work, kind of provide a little bit more of a buffer, um, some protection from the stressors. Mm -hmm. Does that, does that make sense? 
Yeah. And that's such, you know, I think it's such important insight. I know we've talked um, on this uh, podcast before about how the work that we've really done in the last couple of years has often felt very transactional, like learning felt very transactional, our work felt very transactional. And, and when when you're in that space, I feel like feel like we've all been part of some great psychological study, right? For an extended period of time, you have yeah. lost those connections because yes. it's, well, we got to do this. So, done, check, move on to the next thing. Um, and then and- you think about people who actually started during the pandemic and like were working remotely from their first day of work and, you know, didn't have a chance to see people in person and get to know each other in those more informal ways. Right, right. We've had a question from Kimberly about what are the main differences um, between the resiliency skills training workbook and four weeks to wellness? So So actually four weeks to wellness is an old, old name. Um, So the resiliency skills training workbook is essentially the four weeks to wellness. They're, they're the same. I just changed the name. And, and that is a different program from project connect. So project connect is about, facilitating connection, building relationships, and uh, the resiliency skills training is more um, short activities to reduce stress and build build um, resilience, build well-being. And so it kind of covers, it covers social connection, but it also covers like developing more meaning and purpose, um, physical health, kind of emotion regulation skills, things, things like that. That's a, that was sort of my, I, I remember purchasing the resilient, I can see it right here. It's right here in front of me, resiliency skills, um, a training workbook, like on summer break, like at the beach. And I ordered, <laughs> I was like, oh, I need this with my students. And that's cool. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, yeah. And the activities, you know, like these are all things that can be done in under 10 minutes because we're all, you know, strapped for time. And so the, the best um, activity, you know, the best thing you can do for your own well-being is something that you actually follow through on. You know, so if you're like, I'm going to meditate for an hour a day, that's a very daunting task. But if you're like, I'm going to go outside and like get out in the morning for five minutes a day and get some sunlight and be in nature, then, you know, if that's something that you're going to follow through on, that's going to have much more impact. So I want to just create things that are, that are manageable and create like a, a broad range so that people find strategies that fit what they, what they like and need. And, and such good advice that it's, it's what works for you. Cause I do feel like we often feel sort of, um, oh, well, this is the right way to right. stress or the right way to, um, I teach time management with my students, right? Manage our, all the tasks. And I'm like, no, it's the one that's going to work for you. Right. I'll produce different strategies, but ultimately if you're not going to adopt it, it's not going to, you know, you need to figure out what, what will make a difference in your life. So, yes. Yeah. And I think sometimes that, you know, some of this wellness stuff can be another should, like I should be exercising more. I should be meditating. I should be eating better. Um, and, and those aren't that helpful. Like if you're just like beating yourself up about right. not being well is not going to make you feel better. 
right? Right. As a former colleague would say, stop shooting on yourself. So yes, exactly. Um, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've actually been using the uh, resiliency skills training. I've been doing a lot of um, burnout prevention, stress reduction workshops with staff over the past couple of years, because it is such a huge huge issue. So, um, you know, when you, if you download that guide, there's some, some session outlines, uh, that you can run a group with, with students. Um, and I've been doing a lot of that work with staff and faculty. That's great. Yeah. Well, we have just one more minute. So if anybody's got a final question for Jessica, Jessica, the time flew by and I that was fast Four questions. I guess I I really elaborated a lot. (laughs) You did. Well, we had a lot to talk about. I mean, we could probably stay on here for another couple of hours and, and keep talking. But I, I'm, I'm so, I find it so, um, as we talk about, you know, well-being and how you need to find the right thing that fits for you that you're going to do and maintain, right? Connection is not, it, it's not an elaborate program that we need to, yeah. you know, spend buku dollars. I mean, connection is kind of a rather, um, I don't want to diminish it, but a foundational concept, right? And yeah, oh, okay, how can I begin to implement these kinds of things in small ways in my classroom, in my advising yeah. sessions with students, um, in, in my work um, with my colleagues? So um, I just found there was so much to take away um, from our conversation today, Jessica, and I hope you'll come back in the future and talk with us. Thank you so much, so much for having me. And it sparked one last thought. Do we have time for me to share one last thought? Absolutely. So I think um, thinking about ways to to make connection recurring. So a lot of times campuses have one-off events and and having it be um, recurring and also thinking about like how how to make it easy. We were talking about, you know, you aren't going to do things that are harder. So I like to think about like, can you build in automatic recurring connection, like automatic recurring payments, you sort of set it up once and then it's good to go. So instead of being like, I'm going to text somebody 10 times to set up a coffee date, being like, I'm, I'm going to set up a, a, a monthly or a weekly coffee date at the same time and place every week. So you sort of set it up once and then you just, it shows up in your calendar and you're just doing it. So thinking about if there's ways to to do that um, in your own lives and with with students to yeah. kind of make it ongoing. I love that. And then, you know, being that planful and thoughtful about it, right? It, it then makes it a habit. Um, yes. yes. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you, Jessica. We, we all gained so much. I know there's lots of things coming through in the um, chat today for your work with us. We're really grateful for your insights. And um, I hope everybody has a restful and renewing weekend. Um, and we are sending lots of positive energy out there for the start of the semester um, for for all of us. And um, Jessica, thank you again. We're really grateful. Thank you. Yes. And good luck at the start of the semester. I, I, I remember what that's like. So <laughs> it's yeah. exciting. Best and over- yes. yes, take exactly. care. Thanks, all right. Everybody. Take care. Yes. Thank you. Friday Five Live is brought to you by Innovative Educators. Innovative Educators offers six online services for your onboarding support and training needs. Visit us at innovativeeducators.org to see how we can support your student success initiatives.